you know what I love about this sound is actually you. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev, your host as always, and you are listening or watching the Liverpool at Home uh, Preview podcast. Joining me uh, for this episode, I've got the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe. James, how are you doing, mate? Yep, um, I'm feeling good. (laughs) You might not be in half an hour's time. It's going to be a daunting one, isn't it? But that's what we wanted to be here for. Absolutely. Okay, coming up on this episode of the podcast then, typical preview fair, we will look at our opponents, Liverpool, there's a lot to look at to be fair, Uh, we will go through, well we'll pick out three of their danger men, Uh, that's three of 11 to be fair, but we'll (laughs) pick out three of them that might cause us the most problems. Are we doing a lucky dip? (laughs) Yeah, it's literally the ones that we can say I think. But we'll also look at the Luton Town team, we'll look at areas where we can get at this Liverpool team which may not take as long as it does in other episodes of the podcast and then of course we'll finish as we always do with our score predictions so uh, we'll also like your score predictions so listen to the podcast and uh, make sure you give us your score predictions at the end and we will give kudos to anyone who gets it right particularly if it's a Luton winning one in the next episode of the podcast James Liverpool home I mean like you just said uh, when I introduced you when we were messing around in the conference, it was days like these that were an absolute dream that has now become a reality and it's everything that we're here for. Yeah, I mean, these are these are the big ones. I mean, Villa at last weekend was um, one of the iconic grounds to go to, isn't it? But when you are thinking about hosting the, the, the big boys, then it's these are one of the three or four that are the truly big teams in this country. And... Um, yeah, it's it's one you sort of look out for, isn't it? Uh, them coming here. Um, yeah, it has happened before. Uh, in recent memory, really, in uh, in um, club saving almost memory, really. And um, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it but also not at the same time. Is that allowed to happen? Yeah, absolutely. It's allowed to happen because ultimately it's another one of these games that's not going to define our season, but it's also one of those games that if you get something from could mean so much more than whatever it is that you get from it. Uh, James is right to actually bring up the um, club saving part of this because 15 years ago, Luton went into an FA Cup tie with Nottingham Forest that if they hadn't won that tie to set up the tie with Liverpool in the third round, well, we may not be here doing this podcast because there may not be a Luton Town to talk about. It really was that bleak and that cup tie against Liverpool kept enough coffers in, you know, enough money in the coffers to keep us going long enough for 2020 to buy us out. And uh, obviously the rest, as they say, is history. It's a fixture that I've seen a few times. Uh, I'm of a generation that I caught this fixture in the top flight Mm. before Luton were relegated from it. It was a fixture that Liverpool hated coming here when we had the plastic pitch. We were very successful. There are so many iconic sort of fixtures between the two of us. There was the Mike Newell hat trick in the FA Cup, which I think was 85. My dad will be watching this and will be cursing or agreeing with me. Hopefully he's doing the latter. 
he always goes on about the day at Anfield where we used three different goalkeepers and drew 3-3. That was another one. Me, more recently, the 5-3 game when we were in the championship and they were European champions at the time, weren't they? And that was the best game of football I've ever seen. Luton were absolutely magnificent that night. And I think we'd have beaten every other team in the country. We just picked the one team that were just that little bit too good. But if Scott Carson had been sent off, that would have been oh so different. And then, of course, we went to Anfield last time these two sides met and uh, nobody gave a shit that we lost 5-0. It was because the club was uh, in 2020's hands that night. So, yeah, this is a fixture that's got plenty of history to it and it's not all bad from Luton's point of view. Yeah, like you, I'm I'm old enough to remember the 80s and the early 90s. I think Liverpool was one of the first games I ever went to at Carroll's Road, I'm pretty sure. My memory's hazy at the best of times, but... Um, I want to say maybe Ronnie Rosenthal at the bar. Do you remember that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that one? Um, when that, they had the, they'd have been sponsored by Candy back in them days, weren't they? That's the one. Yeah. Grey shirt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't know. God knows, my memory is that bad. But um, I, that's sort of one of the flashes of um, things that I can remember from from back then. But um, now the ones I remember were those two FA Cup games, um, and and certainly the one up up at Anfield that. You know, it was the best 5-0 drubbing of all time, wasn't it, really? But, um, yeah, I remember being up there for that one. <laughs> Fantastic day, uh, really, um, for what it means for the club and everything that's happened since, really. And um, the 15-year journey that's happened since since then has been unbelievable, hasn't it? One of the greatest fairy tales, tales in football. And while Luton were doing that, Liverpool have... You know, since won their first title in 30 years, then won everything that you can possibly win. Um they're sort of back on, not necessarily the, the top top perch at the moment, but they're they're back amongst it. Uh, so it's going to be, you know, regardless of where they were, even if they were in the, you know, the the nineties Spice Boy days when they weren't really pulling up trees, they still would have been one of the biggest draws because of of the history and who they are. So, um, yeah, it's 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 really one to to look forward to. Uh, until we dissect <laughs> we're going to be coming up against because bloody hell they're good aren't they well let's do that then let's uh, get it out of the way because everyone knows that it's coming and everyone knows that well like I said right at the start we could have picked 11 threats because even the goalkeeper scored in this bloody league before hasn't he <laughs> yeah. it's, um, it's that, it's that daunting that we're coming up against but hopefully Liverpool fans agree with the three that we've picked out it's no disrespect to the other seven they're all good players in their own right but these three are the ones that are on most form and you have to start well there's only one place to start isn't it I mean I really wish the Saudis had up their dough and got rid of Salah because it would have made the uh, afternoon just slightly easier but they didn't, and Mohamed Salah, when we talk about playing in this league and we talk about going up against world-class, elite, iconic footballers, which we've done two or three times this season, you know, against Chelsea, Tottenham had one or two as well. This guy is probably, along with Erling Haaland, the standout marquee footballer in the Premier League. Yeah, I think even more than that, I think history will have him down as one of the best players in the Premier League of all time. Um, I think you've, he's really got to be in that conversation for the amount of goals he scored. And that one season where he scored like 50 odd for, for Liverpool, that's an incredible amount. And considering he's not even a bloody striker, it's it's some going. And he's 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 bang on form again this season. Isn't he? I mean, he's been involved in you know, 32 goals in his last 28 Premier League games, uh, <laughs> which is 
wow, that is um, going. That's just him on his own. I mean, you've put that against the entire Luton Town team statistics. I mean, I know we're talking about two different ends of uh, the football, uh, the Premier League spectrum at least, um, but it's it's pretty impressive. And he's got what twenty goals and twelve assists so in, far <laughs> in those twenty eight games. Yeah, I mean, obviously that goes into last season, but yes. that's pretty much the whole of 2023 really so you're looking at this calendar year pretty much 32 goals he's been involved in goal involvements they call it these days don't they 20 20 goals 12 assists yes some of those goals are penalties but they all add up and uh yeah i mean good luck alfie <laughs> you know this is uh this is a tough assignment by the by anyone's uh equations really i mean this guy scores against Better sides than Luton, you know, he scored in Champions League finals, he scored in the biggest games, you know, he scored in World Cups, he scored in Africa Cup of Nations. He is pretty much in the modern day as good as it gets. Yeah, and he can he can score them all as well. He can score, if you give him as much space as you give John McGinn, he's scoring that all day, except top bins. Um, if you want to go toe-to-toe with him, he can jink it past you, he's quick, he's Real quick, and he can go past you that way. And even I've seen, even if you manage to contain him in any way like that, so he can't personally do the damage in terms of scoring the goals. He seems to be forming a great partnership with. Again, I mean, not like he, he formed a great partnership with Firmino and and Mane, but now he seems to be forming another one with uh, Nunez. And um, well, they they highlighted it on the. Match a day recently, didn't they? Um, with uh, Sabozlai, so um, different kind of threat. Um, and I think that up there they're calling it Liverpool 2.0 after the rebuild job that's happened and the midfield players that have come in, who all seem to have come in and, and been instantly fantastic. Uh, I suppose you'd, you'd expect that from the amount of money they're, 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 pl- they're paying for it, but it doesn't always work out, does it? Manchester United. And, Chelsea, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, you know everywhere you look, they are an elite team. They're a bit dangerous. Yeah, that's one side of the fr- <laughs> <laughs> that's one side of the front three. Uh, Luis Diaz would have been the other side of the front three. Uh, we should just take note here, actually. To we hope that everything that's going on with him and his parents works out in the way that it should do, because it's a catastrophic and tragic situation that's going on there and we do not wish that on absolutely anybody so um, it looks like that situation is going to mean that he's not involved in this game which from a neutral sort of wanting to watch good footballers point of view is a shame and of course from a humanitarian point of view is a shame so yes we uh, send all of our best wishes to Luis Diaz and hope that all works out with his family um, and that we all move forward in positive light. Uh, it will probably be Diogo Jota though. I mean, it's, you know, it's just replacing one bloody good footballer with another one. Diogo Jota, who will probably play down that left-hand side of the Liverpool attack. Uh, you know, he's a bit slower than um, uh, Salah. He's only got 11 in his last 13 starts in all competitions for Liverpool. I mean, jeepers creepers. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boo, boo, hoo. <laughs> yeah. What, 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 what are you? What, what are you doing, man? Um, you know, a bit slow, off, bit of slow off the mark. Big signing, big money signing from Wolves. 
And I remember think, people thinking at the time, well, why have they signed him? Because I think it was around the time that they were meant to be signing in Timo Werner from Leipzig. Well, that worked out well, didn't it? Because one was an absolute busted flush and they turned out to get a bit of a gem from Wolves in Jota. Um, whenever and wherever he plays, and it's amazing that this bloke's not guaranteed a start, given what he is, but whenever and wherever I see him play... He always does the business, and I guess that's, that's exactly what you want from a player, isn't it? You know, he's a goal scorer, he's a goal provider, he's got pace, he's got trickery, and our right-back situation has been an ongoing one for a while, and um, it's going to be nightmares for whoever is down that side. Yeah, it really is, and, you know, any any mistake seems to have got punished really ruthlessly um, in the Premier League so far, apart from Evan. Cheers, Evan. And... Um, uh, you know, he is one of those players that will do that for you because I think he's he, he's got a lot more to his game, but he seems to me that he's the best poacher they've got. And if anything is going wrong, is there any sniff of anything, he'll be in there. Um, and that, uh, yeah, it is a worry for the amount of soft goals that Luton obviously conceded against Aston Villa at the weekend. And, and okay, uh, you know, throughout this first... first um, period in the Premier League really it's been it's been a bit of an issue um, I mean if you do that against this team it could be a bloody cricket score so hopefully this week is focused on <laughs> on those things but you know it's one thing saying you're going to try and tighten up and stop a team like Liverpool but uh, many have found doing it it's a completely different matter yep they have indeed these, those two that we've just referenced probably don't need someone to set the goals up for them. They're quite capable of doing that themselves. But if they do need someone to set the goals up for them, then former Leipzig midfielder and Hungary captain Dominic Zsiboszlai, I do apologise if I've absolutely butchered his name, um, is probably the man. Usually foreign players that come into the Premier League need six months or whatever to get up to the speed of it and adjust and everything. I mean, they must have signed this bloke in January and not told anyone because he's just hit the ground running. Every time I see them play, he's doing something. So it's either bursting into the box and having a shot, like you said, uh, linking up with Salah, with Nunes. I mean, he's, I've seen a fair bit of this guy, both when he was in the Bundesliga and uh, playing for Hungary when I've followed international football. He looks the real deal as well, to be fair. And um, I mean, he come in at a time where Liverpool lost Milner and Henderson and no dis and Fabinho and no disrespect, but they've got a bit of an upgrade there uh, with with this fella. He he does look really really good. Yeah, box to box, isn't he? I think. Uh, I mean, I think I've uh, on the occasions that I've looked, um, I think even some murmurings from up there that he's the next sort of Steven Gerrard filling that. Um, I was big boots to fill, fill, obviously, and it's going to take more than one season, but. He started like an absolute rocket, and um, you know he's already he's got the most chances created in the in the Premier League. I think it was it was certainly twenty one before the weekend, and then he got his first assist. So he, he's up there for chances created, and um, yeah, he seems to be able to do absolutely everything. <laughs> you know, where Luton pick up players like we've talked about Chio Ogbeni this season about what an absolute bargain it is. That's that's the Liverpool bargain at the very other end of the spectrum where, yeah, they've spent an absolute fortune that Luton couldn't afford, but why no one else was looking at him? I haven't got the foggiest at the moment. No, uh, he's another threat. 
and Marv's going to have to be right on his game to um, to see that challenge off. That is for sure. Again, I reiterate what I said right at the start. That's no disrespect to the likes of Alexis McAllister, to Trent Alexander-Arnold, to Virgil van Dijk, to Darwin Nunes, and to anyone else that plays. But they're the three that we think are the main threats in a game where there are plenty. But this isn't a Liverpool podcast. Although, before we get to that, I suppose now that you've mentioned Alex Trent Alexander-Arnold, considering what we just saw at Villa Park, where they um, were bloody ruthless with their long passing and picking out that, that's what he can do as a bit of a... Uh, as a <laughs> damage is sort of an understatement because he'll, he'll ruthlessly punish any of those sorts of slip-ups. So... Yeah, I know we've only picked out three, but I guess um, even from the back, they're dangerous. Yeah, I mean, if we went through the whole team, we'd be here for an hour and a half. And uh, none of us have got an hour and a half to wax lyrical about Liverpool. That is <laughs> for sure. We could do, though. Um, but this is a Luton podcast. Luton are at home in this game. So we're not just going to sit there and roll over and uh, let Liverpool beat us. There will be a plan. Obviously, there'll be as much of a plan to stop Liverpool as there is to try and get after Liverpool before we come on to what we can do to hurt Liverpool and there are areas where they can be exploited um, team selection first of all are you expecting that back five to remain uh, or do you think we go back to a back four for this one just take a back six seven eight maybe. Can, we, can we have 15 <laughs> yeah exactly um, yeah, I, I, it's a dilemma isn't it because you're at home and you want to try and uh, be as positive as you can. It's it's like what we talked about in the Aston Villa episode, uh, the review episode, where you, you're kind of damned if you do and, and damned if you, <laughs> if you don't. Um, I, I'd probably go five just because of the amount of threats they have. It's strange, isn't it? I, I, I almost don't want to say the words of, you know, just got to keep it tight and get that low block working and frustrate them and stuff because it's not really what Luton have been about for a good, um, you know, since we started this podcast actually in 2017, well, in the conference days as well, John Steele conference days, um, you sort of want to go after teams and that's what we've been used to, but this is a different, different kettle of fish and don't think you can. I think it's, you know, try and get as many bodies in there as possible um, and almost play it like an away game. Yeah, we're recording this episode of the podcast before Rob's um, press conference, pre-match press conference. And um, so we're kind of preempting everything, really. But I suspect the word pragmatic is going to come up quite a few times between now and the kickoff on Sunday, because that's what Luton have to be. There's no reward for being gung-ho and smart in this game. There's a reward for being organised, well-drilled and trying to nick something and hoping that it's good enough to do that, very much like in the Cup game, very much funnily enough, like in 2008 where we hung tough and then John Arnorisa said, we'll take you back to Anfield and popped it in the bottom corner. If he wants to pop up at left-back as Andy Robertson's <laughs> injured, that would be a nice surprise for us, it, it must be said. Um, in the forward areas then, well, first of all, actually, before we finish on the defence, there is, we've un- we understand the possibility that Amari Bell could be fit straight back in. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. He's, uh, um, it depends what formation you suppose you, you're going to play. But if it was a five, obviously they'd play the three centre backs, wouldn't they? And um, on the left side of that, he's the he's the the best defender you've got in that position at the moment available. So you'd go Bell, Lockyer, 
And you got Osho or Mengi on this on the right hand side. Oh man, that's a that is a, that is a puzzler. <laughs> I'd go. I'd probably go Mengi just because he's had more experience uh, this season. That's it. That's the only reason. It's not that. No, nothing against Gabe. We love Gabe Osho. Absolutely fantastic player, but he's still getting up to speed, obviously. And um, you know, having just played Villa. Um, with the greatest respect to them, playing Liverpool is is like spinal tap eleven, isn't it? It re- yeah, it really is. Um, I like what I've seen from Mengi. Everyone who's listened to this podcast since Reese Burke joined this club will know I am the chief of the Reese Burke fan club. But I think Mengi could be right up alongside him. Actually, I think he's that good. And uh, I think when he settles in, and we stop having to jiggery pokery with the defenders and he gets that settled run I think he will look a real class act and he's from Man United and it's ingrained in your blood to hate Liverpool if you're from Man United so he'll be right up for the game as well won't he so uh, I would probably just go Mengi ahead of Osho but you know I don't think there's a wrong one for that one if it's Osho ahead of Mengi then that's fine Osho's that good no problem with that so the front five then obviously at Aston Villa it was Barkley it was Nakamba it was Chio, Brown and Morris. The most vulnerable one of that five would be Brown, possibly. It's not really worked for him yet. That's not to say that he hasn't uh, done good or tried hard or everything else. It's just not clicking for him at the minute. So maybe Elijah for him, possibly. It's a good shout. Um, I mean, in the same way that we were talking about Ross Barkley having to come in after the cameo he put in, um, then... Yeah, Adebayo has looked, I mean, but he's looked great off the bench and maybe not so much when he started. But he is fired up, he's hungry and he, the thing he's got over Brown is that he's hit the net twice. And he's got that kind of unpredictable trickery that I'm not sure he always knows where it's, what it's, <laughs> what's going to happen. So if he doesn't, the Liverpool defenders certainly, you know, it's going to be few and far between the sort of opportunities that we get to exploit them. And Eli might just have that bit of magic like at Wembley just to open a door for someone or something like that, which maybe Brown is a little bit more um, conventional. Is that a fair word? Traditional. Mm -hmm. That's slightly easier to defend against, perhaps. Potentially. Maybe there's another factor in it, I think, also that um, and we've got to play on this as much as possible is the, the crowd factor. Obviously, I think the crowd would be massively out for this because it's Liverpool. Hey, yeah, we should just point out 4.30 p.m. kickoff for this game on Sunday, live on Sky Sports. If you haven't got a ticket already sold out, obviously, 4.30, not 2 o'clock like at Aston Villa, 4.30 p.m. kickoff. So it'll be dark. Floodlights will be on. Mm-hmm. It's true. Luton Town, Kenilworth Road, magical time it's yeah could be this could be the real the first real get stuck into them crowd wise sort of like like we all know that it can be yeah it could be and all the boozers would have been full for most of the day as well so that that always helps doesn't it but um, what i was thinking in the brown over adebayo um question is that because it's at home and because the crowd would be so up for it the, the crowd are naturally more, have a longer re, um, relationship with Adebayo. And so if he does something positive, the noise level goes up. The songs come out. 
and that could add to the atmosphere and, and help out. You've got to try and play on all these sorts of things as much as possible, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that whatsoever. Uh, Barkley to start again? Yeah, I mean, you can't say he did a lot wrong against Aston Villa. They just the whole team didn't have a lot of the ball, so that's that's where he's going to shine. But obviously, if you're talking about Mengi being potentially up for it because he's Man United, then surely Barkley is as well because he's Everton through and through. Yeah, absolutely. Get more of uh, Barkley on the ball. Good things will happen, whether that's in this game or the games to come. Uh, time will tell. So where can we hurt Liverpool? Well, the first place where we can hurt Liverpool is as good as Trent Alexander-Arnold is on the football and everything that he does going forward. There is a reason why Gareth Southgate will not tolerate him at right back. And that is because defensively, I, I won't go as far as to say he's terrible or anything like that. I don't think he's great, but it is clearly a level below what he is on the ball and his attacking levels. So Chio up against him just feels like an obvious place to exploit them. You put him against anyone, actually, in any fullback in this country whatsoever. You put him up there because um, you could, uh, you know, even at Villa Park when he had his first run and he showed a clean pair of heels uh, down that wing, there was sort of an audible gasp, wasn't there, from the from the Villa fans of oh, this is he's a bit tasty and um, and from Cash as he was trying to cling hold to the vapor that was being left <laughs> in his wake. <laughs> You know, people are forgetting that he's actually a Republic of Ireland international, probably their best performer in the last few internationals anyway. He's got man of the match quite consistently. He's a, he's a top um, talent, top potential. Um, obviously, got to probably won't be able to you know, fully realise it until the end of the season like when we look back on how he's done. But everything he's done so far has been uh, an improvement. And he gives Luton an out ball, he gives Luton pace, he gives defenders something to think about. Um, and so, yeah, that is definitely one area where you'd probably look to try and, uh, try and attack it. But I think it's probably, that's the same everywhere. Every every game Luton play, it's, it's such a threat, such a weapon that Luton have that they've got to try and do that. I think what Villa did was try and nullify that quite they did quite significantly, but in the one or two chances that he did get to, to, to run at the defenders, then they were they were worried because it's been the case for time immemorial that um, defenders don't like players with pace. He's got it. Yeah, bags of bags of pace. That's a that's a matchup that we can exploit, particularly as Alexander Arnold. For all I don't think he's great defensively, he gets zero defensive help from Salah down that side. But that's not what Salah's in the team for. So if we can if we can get Chio on the ball, you know he's one on one down that side. There is no tracking back from the winger. So um, that's one place where we can exploit. We just discussed Adebayo for Brown, but could it be Townsend for Brown? Because there's no Andy Robertson on the other side. Simakas, and I'm not even going near his first name. Simakas <laughs> um, will be the left back. Andy Robertson's out injured. Not as experienced as Robertson, not as good as Robertson. Um, and that could be an area to exploit. Or Chio played against Simakas for Ireland against Greece just recently and had him on toast. So it could be that Chio goes that side and there's another winger in the, on the Alexander-Arnold side. Yeah, I mean, it's going to come sooner or later. And we hope probably sooner that Andros gets a start that, um, for, for the performances he put in when he's coming off the bench. So, um you know, he, if if you put him out there against um, Simakas, then yeah, there's a good chance of that, I think. And maybe the two could swap if they did play um, Chio and, and Townsend, if that was the 
the options. I think what it does, obviously, it gives you a young, exciting player in Chio who will just run at people with no fear, and it gives you um, experience with Townsend, who's got the nous to go back and forward as well. He's going to have to do a lot of defending, we know that. Um, but he can whip a ball in as well, and that's going to be useful because... Um, you're not. You probably you're not going to play through Liverpool. I wouldn't imagine the strength is going to be that get down those wings and get the balls in the box, and the crowd will respond to that because if you do that, we've spoken about it before. One of the greatest sights is just a winger getting to the byline and crossing it. It's fantastic if they can do that. Then the noise levels go up. Yeah, that's it. And who knows, Morris might get something. Maybe not from Virgil Van Dijk, but whoever it is alongside him. I mean, Canate shouldn't really have played at the weekend. He should have been sent off against Everton. I think. think. Anyone can argue that. Um, so he's obviously vulnerable. If he's making fouls against 10-man Everton, he's going to make fouls against us. Uh, if it's not him, probably be someone like Gomez, perhaps, who hasn't really kicked on from the promise that he showed earlier on in his career. So there's a central defender that Morris might be able to isolate and um, get some joy from. So we can get at this Liverpool side... But obviously, we like we've already alluded to, we have to be mighty careful um, about things the other way. Um, you know, that's that's just how it is. They're a, they're a damn good side. They might not be in the Champions League this season, but I think we can safely say they are Champions League next season. There aren't going to be four teams better than them uh, this season. I'm pretty sure of that. Or if there are. Whew. Yes, one hell of a league if, if they are. I, know. Yeah. I, I think I think you're right. It's going to be they're going to be title challengers. I, w- I would imagine by the, the form they've been showing so far, and um, you, you, they are you can get out of them. I think they've got nine goals conceded so far, so they've got goals to give away. Um, it's just you know if you're talking about Morris causing a problem against any of the central defenders, then he can't be as isolated as he was against Villa because it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I don't think he will be, will he? will be a little bit further up the pitch. Uh, we, I'm not suggesting that we'll be going gun-ho or anything like that. We might have to weather a 10 or 15-minute storm in much the same way we did against Tottenham. But once we've weathered that, I think we will play on the fact that we're at home and we will look to try and play here and... If they go a couple of goals ahead, well, they're on the road. They might then take their foot off the gas and it stays respectable in that way rather than uh, the, the the normal way that it would stay respectable. But I thought you were going to say with a couple of goals, they could score a couple of goals and we'd just do a forest and get two back. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> and then you went incredibly sensible. Well done. Yeah, no, that would be nice. But I don't think they've got Joe Worrell on the bench. So, um, <laughs> unfortunately... Um, the other way we can win this game, turn the VAR cameras off. Just just turn them off because we don't need... Since that Liverpool goal that should have been given against Tottenham, I've had this thing in my head that they're going to get everything on VAR. And I've just mentioned Canate should have been sent off the following week against Everton and he wasn't. And it might just be me and my sort of theories, but, you know... Conspiracy theories. Conspiracy, that's that the word I was looking for, conspiracy. You left out the vital word. Then. But, you know... Just turn them off. Or do we keep them on? Because they don't bloody work anyway when they're on. Well, that's true. But if we keep them... Stick them behind a post that's like everybody else's view at Kettle Throat and let's not have a good line, good view to draw a line with. Well, if we keep them on and we're mugged off by VAR, I'm sure Jürgen will give us a replay and uh, everyone will be happy, won't they? Or or not, uh, as the case may be. Um, Great game in store. Listen, 
there's nothing to fear here. Yes, there is plenty to fear, but in terms of the overall meaning of this game, there's nothing to fear. This is a game to go out and enjoy. Give it a go. Not Don't be stupid about it or anything like that. Have your game plan, play to your game plan, but be positive about this game and um, see what happens. Because you've got to say to Liverpool, if you try and stop Liverpool for 90 minutes, they're too good. Somewhere along the line, they're going to break it. So you've got to try and get them. Get them before they do, really. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is this is the way you play these teams. Generally, the teams that sit back on this lot, you might frustrate them for half an hour, forty-five minutes, even an hour. But eventually, that that quality will tell, mm. and you've got to try and hurt them beforehand. And uh, uh, yeah, look, Rob's managed however long he's managed now for days like this, and I'm sure he'll come up with a good go. We'll be right up for this in the stands. I can't wait for it. there's plenty of games this season that I can't wait for. Like you said, right at the start of the podcast, this was one that jumped off the page. The fact that next week follows it as well. What a brilliant time to be a Luton fan. It's been a brilliant time to be a Luton fan for a long time anyway, but particularly this fortnight. You're playing the two biggest clubs in England, I think it's fair to say, back to back. And uh, yeah, can't wait. Um, Score predictions. (laughs) It's where it gets a bit interesting, isn't it? Are you positive or are you negative or are you realistic? Well, I'm a realist, obviously. Um, I'm not sure you were realistic when you said 4-3 against uh, Notts Forest the other week. but That was a... That was a puncher's chance one, really, because uh, I hadn't got a sniff of getting any right uh, before then or since, actually. But um, yeah, it was just a bit of fun, wasn't it? Um, but you know, you know, realistically, um, I know you'll come out with a. You, you, you can't, you can't bring yourself to predict the Luton defeat. So I'll, I'll be the one that takes the. The slings and arrows in this one, but I think yeah, it would be a defeat and. Um, but, you know, if they can keep it respectable like they did at Villa Park, a, a 3-1 would be a, would be a decent result. So I'll, I'll go for that one again. They're only 2-2-1 two, two this season away from home, Liverpool. You know, that's two wins, two draws and a defeat. OK, yes, I'm sure every Liverpool fan in our comments will point out to me that the defeat was against Tottenham where they would have gone 1-0 up, but for VAR, blah, 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 blah. But... They drew with Chelsea, which was the game before we went to Chelsea, and they were, ter- you know, time where Chelsea were terrible. For 45 minutes against Wolves, they were bang average, but turned it round to their credit to win 3 1. They drew 2 2 at Brighton, but Pedro missed an absolute sitter of all sitters to uh, win that game. What I'm trying to say is they're not as good away from home as they are at home, but that's fine. There aren't many teams who are as good away from home as they are at home, so you wouldn't expect them to be. Hopefully Kenilworth Road, this can be the real, the first time that Kenilworth Road makes a real difference. The last time Liverpool came here, they drew 1-1. They'll toddle off uh, back on their bus with a 1-1 draw on Sunday afternoon. Well, that would be magnificent if they do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be good. It's going to be a good afternoon, uh, whatever. I think, yeah, you've got to enjoy it. I think it's all set up to be under the lights. Get a few pints in, yeah. Um, yeah, it, this is what you've got. You've got to enjoy this. Ten years ago, the only side of Mersey, the only part of Merseyside football that Luton Town could even dream of playing was Southport. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? It's absolutely mad. You know, we opened our conference season, conference winning season at Southport ten seasons ago, and we lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ten years later, we're hosting, if you want to call them the biggest or the second biggest side club 
in the country, team that's won more European Cups than any other team in this country. You know, whether you're our age in 40s, whether you're young in your sort of 20s or even younger than that, or even you're older than us, Liverpool are one of the great football clubs of this country. And um, if you can't enjoy seeing our our team going up against them, whatever happens, then uh, what's the point really, you know? 10 years ago, as I say, this was absolute pipe dream. So let's have a go and see what happens. And um, hopefully we're talking about the uh, post-match review, which will be out later once again, because this game is on a Sunday. We won't be able to record uh, on a Sunday. So the review podcast will probably be out on Tuesday uh, next week. So just keep your eye out for that. But hopefully we're discussing plenty of positives and uh, one of those famous, famous afternoons at Kenilworth Road. But you got that's what football's all about, isn't it? You gotta have the hope to go into it and but it's one of these, isn't it? And I know we've said before that we don't like using the word free here, but you don't expect to get anything out of this. So if it doesn't happen then nobody's gonna be crying, are they? But um as long as it's not a massive thumping, that's what you've got to avoid. And even if it is a massive thumping, and it could be, they're that good. If even if it is a massive thumping, it will be because they're that good. There's no white towel coming out. There's no throwing anything in. We don't do that. We'll give it everything we've got until the very end. But there's levels and hopefully they don't show themselves. Hopefully they're off it. We're bang on it. And the gap between the two kind of lessens. There's a reason why sport is played out on grass or whatever surface it's played out on and not on a computer screen. Because you just don't know. And that's why we go in there on Sunday, just to see if our boys can pull off what would be a fantastic, fantastic result, even if it's a draw. Brilliant result for us. And uh, well, that's that's why it's on telly, isn't it? Because um, even the Sky Sports can recognise that if something happens there, that's a massive, massive upset. Yeah, absolutely. That's it then for this episode of the podcast. Please take it easy on us, Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> Our thanks, as always, to the Hightown Club for hosting uh, this episode of the podcast, to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our brilliant intro music, which gets my uh, hairs uh, raised on the back of my neck every single time I hear it, because Wembley is still such a recent memory that I'll never, ever, ever forget. To Ed Smith Creative for all of our uh, design sets and everything else. And thank you to you for watching or listening. Please do keep your comments coming in. Give us your score predictions. If any of you get it right, we'll give you a shout out, unless it's some stupid one like Liverpool 7, Luton 0, in which case we'll ignore those (laughs) completely, even if it's right. And um, subscribe so that you've got two notifications when that review podcast drops. But until that review podcast, come on, you atters, we can do this. Actually, you, everyone in it has got this massive soul.